Okay, so uh, today we're still kind of going through this year, dealing with your questions, your thoughts, things you want to know, um, uh, you want me to, to speak on. Um, so the today we're talking about spiritual gifts. Um, and the question is, how do I find my spiritual gift? That was the question that was given to me. And I thought that was a fantastic question for a number of reasons. And I put it at the beginning of this year because there's so much going on in the world around us. What the world really needs is a church empowered by the power and the authority given to us by God. And we need, we need a church walking in that authority unapologetically. You know, unapologetically. So when someone asks, so what do you think about this? We, we can actually look them in the eye and go, well, Scripture tells me that. And then we give them God's answer. And we do it when we don't apologize. I'm really sorry this is about to offend you, but this is the way God views it, and this is the way I believe it because I have given myself over to God. So when we're talking about a church walking in the power and the authority of God, we can't get away from spiritual gifts. And spiritual gifts is a huge conversation within the church today. And one of the things that's happening in the church today is there is a monstrous, monstrous movement away from what I would call biblically centered spiritual authority towards a self-centered spiritual authority. And what I want to do, um, now you guys know this is a charismatic church. I'm a charismatic pastor. Um, and as a charismatic, I have a very non-typical charismatic view on this particularly. You guys are surprised. <laughs> That's really weird. Um, I have always had this view. Um, as I read about spiritual gifts, there are things that I hear in the Bible that I, I don't see a lot of the charismatic church walking in. I see them walking in something very, very different than what's actually in the Bible. Now, we're going to see some of this, and I'm going to come at this in kind of a backwards way. Okay, I'm gonna sh- I want to show you why I can't walk in the traditional Pentecostal view of the spiritual gifts and where the view that I'm actually going to bring you comes from, because it's not just mine. I'm not just, I didn't just make this up. This is actually a much larger movement inside the charismatic church than most people realize. And it's not very well known because it's not fantastic. It's not the bombastic view, you know, um, but hopefully you'll get that as we, as we, uh, as we move, move forward in this. So the first thing I want to ask you as we start down this little journey, um, when we talk about finding, remember we're talking about finding your spiritual giftings. Okay. That's what we're going to focus on today. It might seem like we're going in a different direction for a minute, but I promise we're going to come back to this. The first question I want to ask you is this. Do you believe that God has empowered you to go out in his name and his power to affect the world for the gospel? Not do you believe that God's power is available to those who are out there to do things for the gospels. Do you believe that you, you, have that calling on your life, that God has empowered you, given authority to you to affect the world for the gospel mission. That is a huge question because it focuses on you. Not them, not those, not the mighty, not the big names, everybody. Has God empowered you or does God only choose an anointed few? Now, if your answer is yes, I want you to think about how that might work and play out in your life, okay? And if your answer is no, the question I want you to consider as we're walking through today is, what is it about your life that makes you believe that? What is it about your life that makes you believe that? Because here's something I can tell you. God has empowered you, 
The biggest reason why most Christians don't walk in the authority and the power that God has promised us is because we don't believe we've earned it. Which is hysterical because you can't earn it. (laughs) You can't buy it. You can't rent it. You can't borrow it. You can't steal it. It's just there. You'll never be good enough to deserve the authority and power that God has placed in your life. Just accept it and be okay with that and actually be thankful that God looks past us and our issues and still grants us the ability to walk in power in his name. So think about what is it about your life that is making you think that. Okay, so how do I get, how do I find my spiritual gift? Now, here's my huge, non-typical view on the spiritual gifts and how you can find your spiritual gifting. Ready? This is profound. You should write this down. Big letters inside of your Bible. Two words. The way that you find your spiritual gift, stop looking. There. It's good. We can all go home. Right? Stop looking. Stop trying to root something out of the ground like God has hidden some weird treasure in a box somewhere in the corner of your house. And if you look hard enough, you'll find it. Stop looking for a gift. Stop looking for something specific and open yourself up to something slightly different, okay? So I'm going to take a look at a couple passages around some of the more popular passages around spiritual gifting. And we're just going to take an initial look at these and then we're going to, going to move on as to how this spiritual gift process has grown in the church and how it's actually been misused by a lot of the church. Okay, so the first one, the most popular verse in the Bible, uh, section of the Bible about spiritual gift, gifts is Acts 1, 6 to 8. So when the apostles were with Jesus and kept saying, uh, asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's exciting. We will receive power. Wow. How about this one? First Corinthians 12, one through six says, now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding the questions about special abilities, the spirit has given us. I do not want you to misunderstand this. Other translations say, I don't want you to walk in ignorance about this. It says, you know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worship, worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. There's spiritual gifts for all of us. That's awesome. How about this one? Luke 10, 18 through 20 says, yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. He says, look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. You can walk among, uh, walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Nice. My personal favorite, Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, releasing us into the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you even to the end of the age. Jesus is with us. He has all authority and he's gonna be walking with us. This is awesome. 
So clearly, clearly, God has commanded us to take his message around the world. And But has God also promised to send his Holy Spirit to guide and empower us when we spend our lives doing this? Yes, obviously, without question. There is no question that God has told us and promises that his spirit, his power will be with us. That's exciting. That should be exciting. If God has told us to go, if God has sent the Holy Spirit and empowered us in the journey, does that mean that we have special God-given abilities to do things like healings, prophecy, signs, and wonders? No, it doesn't. Anyone else confused? Didn't we just read that God has empowered us to do this? Actually, no, you didn't. Now, remember, I am a charismatic and a continuationist. And what that means is that I believe that all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, all of the offices of uh, uh, apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, pastor, all of those things are still in existence today. They are for today. They are real and they are available. All of that exists. How can I say that and say what I just said? How can I balance those two things together? It sounds like a contradiction. Okay, so what is a charismatic, what is a Pentecostal continuationist? The idea is really simple, comes from Acts 1 and 2, and it's that in the New Testament times where we are today, God has granted to those who are his the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. This comes with miracles, signs, wonders, healings, and a host of other spiritual gifts, as well as the offices of ministries. These, got, these gifts and the offices are and will remain in place and available to the body of Christ until the day Jesus returns. They were not just for the first century. You think about some of these giftings. Healing, does Jesus still heal? Does God still heal today? Of course he does. Are there still pastors and teachers today? Of course there are. That means there's also apostles and prophets. All of these things exist today. God's not like, you know, these things are going to happen and they're only going to last a few years. No, these ones are going to go away for a little while, but these other ones are going to be okay. And by the way, I'm not going to tell you which ones are going and which ones are staying. I'm going to make you figure that out because it's so much fun for me to watch. It's not what God is doing. He's promised us these things until his returning. Now, the opposite of this view, the charismatic continuationist view, is what's called a cessationist, Okay. And what that means is actually really simple. In short, this is someone that believes that either the gifts of the Spirit or the offices, apostle, prophet, or both, depending on which group you're talking to, have ceased to operate after the 12 apostles died. After the first century, basically, that they no longer exist. They're no longer available today. God can still heal today, someone will say, but only when he wants to. God, God, you know, God is, it's, it's not the same as it was in the first century. This, the sign gifts and all that stuff, none of that stuff exists. So when you think you're going to be going out looking for the gifts of the Spirit, you're not actually getting the gifts of the Spirit. You're getting something else. That's the basic viewpoint, okay? Now, most of the time, the cessationist view exists because of the way charismatics have handled the spiritual gifts. All the way back in 1911, the Azusa Street Revivals, we created a hornet's nest of problems. It was one of the first modern modern day outpourings of the Holy Spirit. If you go back to Azusa Street, it was nuts. It was absolutely crazy. And what ended up happening is half the group said, you're not a real Christian if you don't experience this. 
And the other half said, uh, no, this is weird. You're not a Christian if you experience this. And all of a sudden, the church went split like crazy. We create our own demons half the time. Now, the charismatic side, while being open to the spiritual gifts, has a habit of taking things too far. Anyone ever experienced anything like this? You ever been in a church where you were told, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not actually saved? I have. I got saved in one of those churches. (laughs) I'm not raising my hand, but the camera might see me. What ends up happening is the charismatic tradition, there's, there's a huge number of divisions within the charismatic tradition, and a large portion of them take things and just run with it. And we decide that based on our experience or our emotions, we can determine something to be true. The most common one is that you have to speak in tongues to be saved. If you don't have that spiritual gifting, if you are not baptized in the Holy Spirit, then you're not really a Christian. Here's the problem. 1 Corinthians 12.30. Do we all have the gifts of healing? Do we all have, do we all have the ability to speak in an unknown language? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not! See, this is what happens when people are chasing very specific giftings. Your emotions and your experience become the lens that you view everything else for. So when I was uh, seeking after God, I started speaking in the Holy Spirit. So if you were really seeking after God and you found him, you would speak in tongues as well. Even though the Bible says that's not true. It's not even remotely true. So when you find a group that does that, and I, I have it to, I have like that much patience for this kind of stuff. I, I really do. Uh, and it's, it's, I, I feel bad about it for a moment, but then I, people, you know, the Bible clearly says that you need to speak in tongues. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Have you actually read your Bible? How dare you? Okay, come with me. Let's go to this. Okay, did you read this? Oh, I've never seen that verse. Of course you haven't, because your church will never preach it. This is selective evangelism, folks. It's the whole counsel of God or it's none. So the thing about it, the thing about it is, is speaking in tongues, you can. You get to, but you don't have to. And chances are most of us won't. It's just a reality. It has nothing to do with your salvation. There is no spiritual gift that is tied to your value in God, Period. None. The gifts of the Spirit are given as the Spirit decides. Period. That's all. It's not a ranking system. Now, inside the charismatic tradition, there is a, there is an offshoot called hypercharismania. Hypercharismania. And it's as weird as it sounds. Okay? It is as weird as it sounds. Now, there is a number of big names in here. Most people don't even know that people fall into these categories. I'm going to show you how wildly misused the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit is among these groups. You're going to see three people, actually four people, you're going to, you're going to see and hear some of their, some of their writings and some of their, uh, some of their, some of their stuff. And these are all very popular people. Kenneth Copeland. 
Bill Johnson, Todd White, Todd Bentley, see Peter Wagner. You're going to hear how they take the truth of God and twist it, and I'm going to explain to you why this happens. I'm not telling you that these are evil people. I'm telling you that they have a theological view that is counter to, to what the Bible actually teaches, and they're running with it based on their experience and their emotions. So let me show you a couple things. Here's a quick video clip to illustrate some of these processes. COVID-19! COVID-19! I blow, I blow the wind of God, the wind of God on, you. on you. You are destroyed forever. You are you destroyed forever. And you will never be back. I personally believe that I can make a choice for people. See, if my war is not against flesh and blood, and it's not against them, but it's against principalities, demonic strongholds, and spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places, that means that the person that's addicted is not my problem. The things that are possessing them is my problem. So what if that person that has no idea who Jesus is, the reason why they don't is because they're completely addicted. They're blind. They can't see. They don't know who they are. But if I'm a believer that can see, and God says that anything I ask according to his will, he'll give it to me. He says that anything I ask in prayer, believing that I've received it, I'll receive it. He says that God's desire is that none perish, but that all be saved and come to the knowledge of him. Yeah. If that's what God's word says, and I'm a believer that's empowered with truth, and I serve the king of glory, mm-hmm. then I can actually claim somebody that doesn't believe, and there's no way for them to get out of it. Bam! Bam! Uh, uh, uh. I said, God, I've prayed for like a hundred crippled people, not one. He said, that's because I want you to grab that lady's crippled legs and bang them up and down on the platform like a baseball bat. I walked up and I grabbed her legs and I started going. And I'm thinking, God, why is not the power of God moving? He said, because you haven't kicked that woman in the face. And there's this older lady worshiping right in front of the platform. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. The gift of faith came on me. He said, kick her in the face with your biker boot. I inched closer and I went like this. COVID-19! You can go ahead and stop that. (laughs) Here, I'll do that. (laughs) It's a good place to stop, isn't it? Obviously, that didn't work. Do you see how you take small pieces of truth, you give them an application that's actually not in the passage? to empower yourself to do something God never intended. The basic idea behind this movement is that not only are the gifts yours, the power is yours. You just have to learn how to use it. It's not the power of God through you. It's the power in you that is God-given. Do you understand the difference there? It's about you. It's about your ability. See, when you're praying for someone, this particular group will tell you that you are actually ordering or calling the Holy Spirit into action. The Holy Spirit is at your beck and call. You order the Holy Spirit into action. When you're telling the devil to leave, the devil has to leave because of the power that is in you. It's exciting, isn't it? Who wouldn't want to be that kind of person? 
What it's done, it's brought a lot of people to very grandiose claims that only highlight how out of touch with the truth they really are. Other people teach that Jesus didn't simply come to save the lost. He came to bring you the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not kidding about this. This is a, this is a major teaching among uh, Bethel Church. Bill Johnson, this is one of his core principles. He teaches this all over the place. One of his most popular books, When Heaven Invades Earth, this is a quote from that book. It says, there is a difference between interme- uh, immediate and ultimate goals. Success with an immediate goal makes it possible to reach the ultimate goal. But failure in the immediate prevents us from reaching the fi- uh, our final goal. Bowlers know this. To each lane, uh, uh, each lane not only has pins at the far end, it also has markers in the lane itself. A good bowler knows how his or her ball rotates as it, re- uh, as it is released from a hand. Bowlers will aim at a marker in the lane as an initial target, yet they receive no points for hit. Please remember that line. They hit, they receive no points for hitting the marker in the lane. Points are only given when the ultimate target is hit, the pins at the end of the lane. Likewise, salvation was not the ultimate goal of Christ's coming. It was the immediate target, the marker in the lane. Without accomplishing redemption, there was no hope for the ultimate goal, which which was fill each born-again person with the Holy Spirit. That's actually how I felt when I first read it. Did, did, Did you hear what is going on right there? Jesus didn't come to bring salvation. Salvation was just the initial need in order to make the real goal of God possible. Even though, if you read John 3, Luke 19, 24, Matthew 18, and about 50 other places in the New Testament, Jesus clearly says, I am here that the world may be saved. That's his entire purpose for being here, is salvation for the lost. The Holy Spirit follows us as we bring that message to the rest of the world. That's what the Holy Spirit's for. And what drives me the most crazy is that if all you do is get saved, you really haven't accomplished anything of value. You get no points for that because it's just a marker in the lane. Can you hear that? Now, this comes from a core theology that he has called dominion or kingdom now theology. It's also referred to often as the seven mountain mandate. If you hear those, run. The core principle behind him is this. Christians have to become so powerful on the earth that the earth becomes like heaven and then Jesus will return. But Jesus won't return until the earth becomes like heaven. That's why we have the power of the spirit because we can be so awesome and so amazing in our overwhelming coolness that Jesus has to come down. But we have to make earth like heaven first. Now, the funny part is when I read the Bible, I hear that earth basically turns into hell And then Jesus comes back to save us from that. I read that somewhere. Do you see how twisted this is? And people flock to it. They flock to it. The other side of this is that as believers, not only are there God-given spiritual gifts, but did you know that there are spiritual gifts that aren't even listed in the Bible? 
You see, they've been taken by pagans and by Eastern mystics and by other false religion. And they've been corrupted by that. And be, so if you ever find anything that has power in another belief, then obviously if it has power, it should belong to us. So we need to take that same practice, give it a Christian name, and then take it for ourselves, no matter who's using it. Whether Satanists are using it, New Age people are using it, it doesn't matter. That's what we're supposed to do with the power of the Holy Spirit, because all power belongs to us. Here's a quote from another quote from Bill Johnson. Uh, yeah, okay, here we go. It says, there is a difference between, uh, no, no, wait a minute. Uh, this is from C. Peter Wagner, I'm sorry. It says, I suggest that it may be possible to receive select but valid information from the world of darkness itself. Yes, you read that right. Certain people such as shamans, witch doctors, practitioners of Eastern religion, New Age gurus, or professors of the occult on university faculties are examples of the kind of people who may have a have much more extensive knowledge of the spirit world than most Christians have. Huh? Here's another uh, quote from uh, Bill Johnson on the same topic. Many prominent pastors and conference speakers add fuel to the fire of fear. You see the language he's, see, you're afraid if you believe this. You hear the language that he's trying to use. They add fuel to the fire of fear by assuming that because the new age promotes it, its origins must be from the devil. Huh. I find that form of reasoning weak at best. If, if we follow that line of thought, we will continue to give the devil tools that God has given us for success in life and ministry. Huh. There's another book from Bethel. This isn't written by Bill Johnson. It's called A Physics of Heaven. I've written a few notes in it. It claims to help Christians, please listen to this, access the power of God by understanding the power of sound, vibration, frequency, and what's called the zero-point field of quantum physics. Because these are how God spoke the universe into existence. So if we can learn to use the power of these physical things, we can speak things into existence like God. Now, hold on for a second. As someone who came out of the occult, before I became a Christian, I was into witchcraft. Every spiritual power in the, in the area of witchcraft, of Eastern religions, of the occult, focuses on one thing, you. Your power. Your ability, your greatness in the spirit, it's all focused in. So when someone like Bill Johnson says, if, if the occult uses it, well, then why would we not want to use it for ourselves? Because there is no occultic power that is outside of us. It is all power within us that's ours. We control it. Now, wait a minute. Let's follow the thinking here. My power to speak things into existence, all I have to do is harness the power of the natural world, and I can be like God. Where have I heard that before? I'm pretty sure it's the same lie that got us into this mess to begin with. God is holding out on you, and if you would just go, please listen to this, if you would just go beyond his word... At Bethel with Bill Johnson, they call it going off the map. This is a normal teaching for them. If we could just see it's a test, God's going to give you the little bit. And if you have the courage, if you're not afraid, 
You can go off the map and there is this amazing amount of spiritual power waiting for you. For those who aren't fearful and who are brave enough to go beyond God's word. See, God's word's limiting. Isn't that amazing how popular this is and how many people have no idea that this is the core of their messaging? This is the hyper-charismatic tradition. Okay. No matter how popular these speakers are, no matter how popular their views are, myself and many others reject it completely because it focuses away from God and onto ourselves. We become the center of power in our life. You ever heard someone do this? Sickness, I command you to leave this body. Anyone ever heard that? Been in those services many, many, many times. I command you, you will obey me in the name of Jesus. What a contradiction in terms. You will obey me because Jesus said you had to. Meanwhile, the devil's going, I don't even know who you are. So, all of that to get to this. The view that I have, and the view that many others in the charismatic church have, can be summed up like this. Through you, not to you. Through you, not to you. I want you to think about this. If I bring you a gift, I go to your house, I knock on the door, hey, I made this thing for you. I want to bring this to you. This is, you know, just, just thanks for being you. You're just, you're awesome. Am I the gift giver? Yes. Why? Because I chose to give you that gift and that gift was entirely under my authority. Now, what if, I get a phone call from someone. Hey, I want to send a gift to so-and-so. Will you take it for me? I say, absolutely. I'd love to. And I take that gift and I bring it to the same person. And I go, hey, I brought you this. Am I the gift giver? No. All I am is a vessel. A willing vessel, period. That gift had nothing to do with me. And in reality, if I didn't bring it, that person could have found somebody else to do it. That gift did not hinge on me. That gift hinged, hinged on the gift giver. Hinged. Yeah, Abel's laughing at me because I'm stumbling. Hinged. That gift had nothing to do with me. I'm simply the vessel bringing the gift. Let me ask you this. Who gives prophecy, God or the prophet? Who gives prophecy, God or the prophet? God. The prophet doesn't decide what's going to happen in the future. All he can do is bring the message that was pre-prepared for him by the one with the authority. How about this? Who grants the healing, God or the person praying? God. God grants the healing. 
Who grants the ability for tongues and interpretation? God or the person praying? God. Who brings the anointing? God or the person praying? God. We have no authority to activate these things in, 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 this, in this world at all. None of that authority belongs to us. So if you think about, remember when I had the, when I had the empty glass? And we talk about spending our week pouring ourselves out, keeping ourselves empty so that God can fill us with what other people need. Now put that in a perspective of spiritual gifts. If I'm walking along and I am totally willing in, in the plan of God, to, I am submitted to the will of God, I'm totally willing for him to give me anything to give to anybody else. Then God can bring any gift that he needs to be brought to somebody else and all I've got to do is empty myself of something that wasn't mine to begin with. I'm just, I'm, I'm playing, I'm playing spiritual Santa Claus. I'm just bringing gifts to other people that God has pre, has pre-planned for them. I don't see, I, and this is the thing I like about this. I have no pressure on me. There's no pressure on me to perform. If I'm, if I'm standing up in a meeting and, and there's people, you know, we're going to, we're going to pray for people. I have no pressure on me to make anything happen because I can't. I have no ability to create a spiritual event. All I can do is bring what God gives. What freedom that is. I, I, I think I remember Jesus saying his burden was light. The Holy Spirit is not at my beck and call. I'm at its. I am at the beck and call of the Spirit. I do what I'm told. That's all. I don't have to do anything else. So it doesn't make any difference. If God calls me to pray for someone to be healed, guess what? I'm going to go and I'm going to heal them. I don't have to be the healer. I'm going to pray for them, and God's going to decide what's going to happen. If God calls me to bring a word to someone, I'm going to bring it to them unapologetically, whether it's positive or negative. And some of you have received words on both sides of those things. And I'm very, very cautious when I do it because it can't be my word. I'm just going to bring it. I don't have to make up something wonderful for you. You know, each year when we have Andrew Eastman here and, and, and uh, he, he prays and he stands here and there's, you know, like a hundred people on both sides of the sanctuary and he gets going every now and then someone would be like, oh, well, uh, you know, I didn't get much of a word. I went up for prayer and, you know, I didn't get, get it's, it's, you know, uh, yeah, maybe he was just tired. No, maybe he just didn't have a word for you. This is one of the reasons why I keep asking Andrew to come back because he doesn't feel the need to create something on the spot to make you feel good about yourself. God is so happy with you. <laughs> is he? I've heard Andrew say things like, let's talk later. Because he's got a word he's not going to speak into the microphone because it's just for you. And it's not nice. Anyone other than me ever had one of those words? I'm just, just never mind, never mind. Never mind. Think about this. If I'm in the service of the king and the king sends me out to bring the word or the will of the king to the nations, I'm a servant of the king. 
The king has sent me out to bring his word and his will to the nations. Do I walk with an amazing amount of authority and power? Yes. I have a tremendous amount of power, a tremendous amount of authority as I'm, as I'm walking this out because I'm walking in the power and the authority of the king. Is that power and authority mine? No. Can I add my word or my will to that authority? Only if I want to die. You see, the only reason why I have power, the only reason why I have authority is because the king has granted it in accordance to his will. That's the only place my authority comes from. If I go outside of that, I'm on my own and in a dangerous place. I have no other authority other than what the king has given me according to his will. Can you see the difference between these two views? One, it's the king grants you authority and it's yours. You are powerful and mighty. The other one is there's power and might in service of the king as long as I stay in his will. One is proud. One is humble. Because when you walk in the authority of the power of the king, you know that people will probably never remember your name. They'll only remember the king. And you got to be okay with that. Some people don't like the idea of being quickly forgotten. I'm fine with it. I want to take just a couple of minutes and then we're going to wrap up. And I want to go back to those four sections of scripture. And with what we've just talked about in mind, let's read this and see if something different stands out to you. Okay? Listen to these. So when the apostles were with Jesus and then kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore your kingdom? He replied, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They're not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. When do we receive power? When the Holy Spirit decides to bring it. And what is that power for? To be witnesses of him. That's the purpose of the gifts of the spirit. To bear witness to Christ. To move roadblocks from people's lives. I can't believe in God. I've been been sick with this my whole life. Nothing's ever happened. You know what? God can heal you. Let's get that roadblock out of the way. You see how this works? 1 Corinthians 12, 1-6. Now, brothers and sisters, regarding the question about special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but it's the same Spirit is the source of them all. The same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. If God has empowered you to do something, is it you? No. It is the singular spirit of God acting on his own behalf through your hands. That's all it is. Now, when he says, I don't want you to act like you were when you were pagans, 
One of the things that when pagan worship, what they would do, especially in Corinth, they would go to these temples and they would worship the God, their, their false gods to gain power of their own. So they could say things like, don't mess with me. I carry the blessing of Isis or pick one. See, it was their power, their authority. Does that sound familiar? When Paul says, I don't want you to be like that. Luke 10, 18 through 20 says, yes, I, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. You can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. Where did the authority come from? Christ. Why did the disciples have the authority as they were walking through the land? Because the king gave them authority. Now, the funny thing is when they came back, they were like, hey, we can't, there's this one guy, he's, 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 he's filled with a demon. We can't figure out what's going on. And, and this, is, this is so cool. Jesus says, oh, this one only comes out by prayer and fasting. Then he looks at it and says, get. Wait a second. That one only comes out by prayer and fasting and then Jesus tells it to scram? You want to talk about <laughs> Jesus being God? I think that's pretty cool. And the last one is this, Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you. Why does the power of the Holy Spirit follow us? Because Jesus is with us, not because of us. It's not us. It's not ours. How arrogant do we have to believe, to be, to believe that we command the armies of heaven? So many people fall into the trap of me and my spiritual authority. They spend their Christian life chasing what they could never hope to attain, power. When we come back to the first question that we started with, how do I find my spiritual gift? I fall back on the same answer. Don't. Stop looking for it. Stop looking for the gift and start looking for a way to serve the king. You understand what I'm saying? Stop looking for something specific and just start looking for a way to honor God with your hands, with your mouth, with your life, with your finances, with your house, with your material goods, whatever it is. Find a way to honor God where you are with what you have and the gift will follow. The gift is irrelevant. It's the vessel that has to be willing for the power of God to flow in your life. You want the power of God to flow in your life? Then do his will. Don't just sit there and wait for some amazing, you know, I'm just waiting for a fuzzy moment. That's great. You're waiting a really long time. Israel waited 40 years before they could enter the promised land. Don't make that mistake. Just do what he's asking you to do in the moment and the gift will come. Whether it's healing, whether it's a word, whether it's faith, whether it's giving, you know that giving is a spiritual gift? faith is a spiritual gift that means when someone's faith is waning and you spend some time with them you can actually be a vessel through which god increases their faith it's amazing folks all we have to do is be willing in the moment look for opportunities to serve the will of the king for the glory of the king and the gifts will come as they're needed you don't need to find a gift 
other than a willing heart that's inside of you. That's all you need to find. The only thing you need to pursue in service of God is to be willing. Anything outside of that, in my opinion, is vanity. Lord, I want to be a great prophet. Good for you. How about this? Lord, I just want to be, I I just want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. Also translated slave. Well done, good and faithful slave. That's all I need to hear. And I've had this view for 28 years as a Christian now. God's used me pretty successfully. That's all he's looking for, folks. That's all he needs for you and from you and your life. Just be willing. Stop chasing a title. Just start chasing the will of God. Amen. 